Julie, today's discussion is going to be really exciting because it's talking about remote work. I know during the pandemic, I've had dreams about laying on the beach and working on my computer. But before I do that, it's probably a good idea for me to stop and talk to somebody first. And Margie, I love that because haven't we all had those dreams, either on the beach, up in the mountains, enjoying what we want to do while we're working? And I think the point that you emphasize really is let's talk about it first. You know, HR, mobility, tax, all of the other areas of the corporation need to be talking to each other so that we avoid any risks and avoid any surprises. So with that, Margie, let's talk tax. You're listening to Tap Into Tax, PwC's podcast series covering current regulatory, legislative, and technology hot topics through the lens of our tax technical leaders, as well as process and technology subject matter specialists. This podcast features discussions with some of our leading minds around tax, trade, and domestic policy. Stay tuned to our regular updates and subscribe to our series to get notified as new episodes are published. Welcome listeners. This is Margie Dungeshaw. I'm PwC's East Region Tax Leader. On today's episode of Tap into Tax, I'm really pleased to welcome Eileen Mullaney and Amanda McIntyre from our Global Mobility Services Practice. Eileen's a partner based out of New Jersey. She is our global mobility consulting practice leader. And Amanda is a partner based out of California. So we got both coasts represented today. And she specializes in global mobility and employment tax. I'm also happy to welcome Andrew Jensen, an international tax services partner based in the state of Washington. So our discussion today is going to focus on some very important trends we're seeing with respect to remote work and its impact on tax functions. There is a growing imperative for cross-functional collaboration, particularly between HR, mobility, and tax to avoid risk and financial surprises. So with that, welcome to Tap Into Tax, everyone. Thank you so much, Margie. We're glad to be here. Today, we're focused on employee mobility, which obviously has been somewhat limited for the past year. I know I haven't left my home office in quite some time. I see many companies continue to leverage remote workforce where they can, with some signaling a more expansive opening of their offices, perhaps maybe coming in the fall. So what are you seeing with companies right now, Eileen? Thanks so much, Margie. We are certainly seeing volumes start to pick up. While the pandemic has caused almost a complete halt to business travel, to the start of mobility assignments, and all types of travel, we're certainly seeing organizations planning for reopenings. Many organizations really focused on reopening and return to work strategies for the fall of 21. So that is very, very encouraging. Also seeing a lot of organizations take this time to really look at their businesses from a strategy perspective and really think about what they need, where they will need people, where they want to hire people from, and what are some of those short and long-term business strategies that they want people to execute on. So we're seeing a lot of mobility planning. That doesn't necessarily mean a physical relocation to another location. It could mean business travel. It could mean commuting. And it also could mean virtual assignments. So we're seeing a lot of the above. But right now, organizations are very heavy into the planning stages of what they will need. I know I am attracted by the idea of working remotely on some beach in the Bahamas, but I'm hearing from many of my clients that they're seeing some different tax questions arise when employees are not working where they normally do. 
it's really prompting an urgent need to analyze the tax consequences so that proper decisions and approvals and subsequent corporate level taxes or perhaps even individual taxes are known and can be paid in various countries. So would you explain this challenge in more detail for us and how are companies addressing it? It's definitely more complicated. Um, tax at a starting point is complicated and you throw in cross borders, be they state or international, it definitely makes things a lot more complicated. What we're finding as a starting point is where is the person working and then which jurisdiction has the right to tax the person. So, for example, an individual's normal place of work might have been San Francisco pre-COVID. During COVID, they've gone to a different state or even a different country. As Eileen mentioned earlier, what many folks in global mobility, payroll and corporate tax felt would be almost like a COVID-specific phenomenon is actually going to prove not to be the case. We're seeing this concept of remote work being a much more broader concept that will likely continue to be in play post-COVID. As I mentioned earlier, just trying to grapple with you know, cross-border issues is very complicated. Global mobility have been tackling this for years, and that's over a very small portion of your population. The issue with remote work is you're potentially expanding that to ideally everyone in your organization. So you become a much more complex area, which becomes much more expansive. So the key when we look at remote work is really trying to figure out where are the compliance risks? So you start off looking at the foreign payroll risks. Is the individual triggering a foreign uh, payroll compliance requirement in the country or in the state they're working in? Is there a social security requirement, you know, as a result of them being in that place? Are there cross-border equity issues that need to be factored in? So there's a whole host of downstream impacts that come to play as soon as you have someone working across borders. And then you not only have to worry about the employer's obligations. So you get to grips with, okay, from an employer perspective, what are my compliance obligations? And you go through your list and you say, okay, no payroll, no social security. Great, I'm done. Unfortunately not, because if you have rolled out a remote worker process and you've approved an employee remote working, what is your obligation as an employer with regard to that employee's individual personal tax obligations? So what if as a result of remote working, that employee triggers double taxation? The employees in your program, in your remote worker program, has gotten approval per se for remote work. Do they come back to the employer and ask them, hey, I've now had double tax. What's your obligation as an employer to deal with that? So again, it's a very complex issue. It's the employer issue you need to consider, and then it's the employee experience issue that you also need to grapple with. And how are companies dealing with this? So as a starting point, it really has to come down to, you have to deal with this in one voice, right? This isn't a corporate tax issue. It's not a payroll issue. It's not a HR issue. This is one voice as an organization dealing with the compliance risks. And from an individual organizational perspective within the company, it's important to consider as you speak, you speak in one voice with regard to creating those guardrails and that structure. It's also very important that you team together within the organization to ensure that you all come together to support this remote working process, but support it in a secure and a compliant way. So I'm going to pass over to Andrew to talk about what that looks like from a corporate tax perspective. Thanks, Amanda. That's exactly what I'm seeing on the ground as well. Companies really need to have a broader strategic view of the issue. Not one department can really do it all. This makes it even more difficult because historically, there may not be that kind of coordination between departments. Corporate tax functions are really critical to this. For many of my clients, it's new ground for corporate tax, HR, and mobility to be working so closely together. But determining how that workflow works is critical. With respect to corporate tax issues, 
permanent establishment risk is really what rises to the top of the list for most departments. Supporting a virtual assignment outside of the home country quite often comes with PE risk that needs to be managed. So I've seen a lot of clients exploring options recently to isolate and manage that risk as they work to support a hybrid work strategy when we return post-COVID. I'm seeing increased interest in branch structures to support virtual employment arrangements, as well as companies revisiting the global employment company options to insulate the broader enterprise from PE risk. The prevention of double taxation is critical here for corporate tax, but also for the employee. From a corporate tax PE perspective, I see clients really breaking this down, considering what's the threshold PE question? Does it exist or not? And there we need to consider things like what is the employee doing? What are their activities on the ground? What's the duration of the assignment? And other inputs that help make that determination. And then the corporate tax team is generally thinking about structurally, how do I manage that risk? Do I put a branch in place? Do I put a subsidiary to encapsulate that employee's activities? Do I look at a global employment company and think about the GEC model? And how does that really impact my broader corporate tax footprint? And then in addition to those structural considerations, we need to think further about how do we attribute profit to those activities so that there's an arm's length return recognized in those territories. So transfer pricing plays a key role here as well. I mean, whether a PE exists or not can have a knock-on implication into the taxability of that employee. So it is critically important for corporate tax to be working alongside HR, mobility, payroll, and other stakeholders from day one to execute on the virtual assignment strategy. Andrew, I completely agree. Tax is in the spotlight by external stakeholders as well as internal stakeholders, such as the C-suite. So the consequences of not collaborating cannot be understated. The answer doesn't always need to be no. However, having all the parties understand the costs that are associated with these people decisions is an important part of the calculus. Companies strive to be compliant. People strive to be compliant. So understanding the landscape is very important to avoid the risk of unanticipated tax assessments, penalties, and interest, but also reputational risk as well is critically important. And at the same time, I'm seeing that the tax function resources are stretched really thin with the priorities and the demands that they already have. So most of our companies have made pivots to remote working and they've used digital tools, digital collaboration tools, workflow tools. It's been a successful pivot. However, understanding that if your people are going to be working in different places in the future, awareness of the knock-on effects is key. So in addition to cross-functional teaming to meet the right now problem, the current snapshot of where people are working is going to shift potentially as business needs change. So companies are going to need policies that address the remote work issue going forward. So Eileen, what are leading companies doing? I think, first of all, companies are looking at the policy design stage very, very critically. This is not about some HR folks or some global mobility folks sitting in a room and designing these policies. These programs really require a design team that's very broad and represents all of the different functions across the enterprise. So we're seeing corporate tax heavily involved from the beginning, not just when there's a problem or not just when there's a kind of a case that comes up that's a little bit tricky. So we're seeing them really involved from the beginning, helping determine those rules. And what I mean by that is when you have these flex programs or remote programs, where will the organization allow people to work in that remote location? Will it be every country around the world or where the organization has a physical presence? Um, Will the organization consider temporary remote work? A lot of organizations using this very strategically as a way to attract and retain talent 
Lots of employees very interested in working remotely for just two weeks or four weeks across the year, kind of to or from vacation. So we're seeing lots of different approaches. However, from a policy perspective, again, that cross-functional team input into the design and also not a one-size-fits-all policy. Policies are really a framework for all of these different types of work programs from flex work or hybrid work to indefinite remote to temporary remote and certainly last but not least virtual assignments. Excellent, Eileen. And I do think it's important that our HR professionals are the ones driving people strategy and tax people can contribute to that conversation. We don't want to be the deciders of that conversation because we're coming in on the tail end delivering bad news at the last minute. (laughs) Exactly. Never fun. (laughs) Never fun. So let's wrap up today. So in this series, we'd like to provide some practical applications for our listeners. Can each of you please provide one key takeaway for our listeners? Let's start with Eileen, and then we'll go to Amanda, and then Andrew, you can bring us home. For me, Margie, it's all about collaboration. As we said, this is not a policy that one function can design. There are so many issues and considerations to think about enterprise-wide that this really needs to be a broad program from corporate tax, legal, compensation and benefits, even facilities kind of at the table. So very, very different than when we create a mobility program and it's just HR and tax as kind of the key stakeholders. This is much broader. So my takeaway would be break down the silos and work in a large collaborative group. Thanks, Eileen. I think my takeaway would just be the reassurance to folks out there that like there's no nirvana perfect solution. And as a result of that, there's no one size fits all here. The way you can be successful in relation to dealing with this area is bringing everyone together from corporate tax, payroll, legal, and realizing that no one size fits all. You all have to come together and figure out from an organizational perspective what works for you, what's important with regard to remote work for the organization and how you want to support it. You as an organization, being in corporate tax, being payroll, being illegal, you all come together and create a set of guardrails and policy that will support that remote work and do it right. Yeah, and I would just say, you know, whatever you decide really can't be static. I think the only thing you can count on in this environment is change. Countries are being increasingly hungry for revenue coming out of COVID. We're seeing increased change in the global tax landscape, including things around transparency, looking at the BEPS 2.0 proposals, and even domestic tax reform proposals, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks. So, It's important to maintain flexibility and monitor for these developments because the risk profile will change and we may need to implement changes to our strategy to continue to support remote working. Thank you, Eileen, Amanda, and Andrew for joining us today and sharing your perspectives. And thank you to all of our listeners as well. We have more to come in our Tap into Tax podcast series as we continue to share insights about the challenges and opportunities that organizations are facing right now. Thanks and have a great day. podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.